seats. Preacher's already been long-winded. Hey, listen, before we dive into our message this morning, I just want to take a moment to pause, to honor, and to remember the brave men and the women who have served our nation with unwavering dedication and selflessness. You guys know Memorial Day this weekend, it's a time where we come together to honor the memory of our fallen soldiers and express our deepest gratitude for the sacrifice that they made. And it's so important that we remind and that we ourselves recognize the freedom that we enjoy today because it is because of those sacrifices, like the price that they paid, it reminds us that freedom is never free. Amen? And to our veterans that are in the room, and I see you guys, um, just want to say we express our deepest gratitude for your service. Your courage, your strength, and your sacrifice have protected the very foundations of our nation. And so we thank you. And so can we just give a hand right now to our veterans who are here. We love you. We're grateful for you. And if we could just take a moment of silence to honor the fallen and to remember their families who bear the weight of their loss and to express our gratitude for the sacrifices that's been made by all who have served. So can we just take a moment to just bow our head in reverence? Now, may we all hold fast to the hope and the comfort that's found in the assurance that one day wars will end and that peace will reign. But until that day, let's live with a sense of duty and appreciation, carrying the torch of freedom, justice, and love. Come on, can someone say amen to that? Well, I want us to pick up where we left off last week. I'll I'll speak a little faster uh, to make sure that we get it all out there. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. As you're turning there, let me just say to those of you that are just joining us, we have been on a series called All In, where we have been going chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. And I've mentioned this to you several times, but I feel like this series is really a call to action. To step into the thing that God has destined for us. Now, let me just say, I read somewhere um, this week that Memorial Day weekend is the least attended uh, church service all year. And so I want you to know that I'm going to preach my heart out like it's Easter Sunday, okay? So be ready to receive that, amen? Now, last week, uh, we read about Paul preparing to head to Jerusalem where he knew that he was going to be met with opposition. And this was something that God had revealed to him, but also that God had revealed to the disciples. Yet out of the disciples' love for Paul, as you guys remember last week, they urged him not to go. And after many attempts, they saw that they were unable to persuade him to change course. Paul knew what it was that he was signing up for. He knew what was to await him once he got in Jerusalem. But having this knowledge didn't stop him from doing what God had called him to do. 
Now, I just want to highlight this thought before we read our text today and see all the things that Paul is about to encounter. And that thought is this. Paul had a fixed focus. God had entrusted him with a heavenly mission, and he was determined to overcome any obstacle in his path. His heart was anchored in the belief that his mission was bigger than himself. Now, I say that just to ask, what are you living for? Are you living for something that's bigger than you? Like when you breathe your last breath, will your mission continue without you, or will the mission die when you do? Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to live for something that's going to outlive me. Huh? Come on. I want to pass the torch so that future generations can share in the legacy of hope, purpose, and, and even impact, which transcends times. Because you see, it's not just about leaving a mark on the world. It's about igniting a flame that will continue to inspire and empower long after we're gone. Guys, you hear me say this many times, but legacy isn't just something that you leave to someone, but it's what you leave in someone. And this is exactly what we see the Apostle Paul doing. We see him pouring his life into others. He mentored and discipled countless people by investing in their spiritual growth and equipping them to carry on the work that he started. I mean, Paul's life exemplifies the very essence of passing the torch. And it's my prayer that as we continue in this last stretch of messages which highlight Paul's life, that we will be inspired with that same fervor to live for something that is much greater than us, something that will outlive us and leave a legacy. So let's look at Acts 21. You should be there now. We're going to start in verse 27 where we left off. And by the way, just for reference, Paul left Caesarea and now he's in Jerusalem. And so in verse 27, it says, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who's teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. You know, it's always baffled me how just one person can throw out an accusation against someone else and sway public opinion, even in the absence of concrete evidence to support their claims. I mean, I can think of countless examples where either one person or a small group of people have made baseless accusations, and immediately people form a judgment of them without all of the facts. Let's just see what the Bible has to say about that. Proverbs 18, 17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other person comes and examines him. I love how the Living Bible translates this verse. It says, Any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. And guys, in an era 
where information spreads rapidly across all the various social media channels, it's crucial for us as members of the church and also as responsible people to not believe everything that we hear. We have got to use discernment and withhold judgment until we have heard both sides of the story. Write this down. Jumping to conclusions based solely on one-sided accounts can lead to misunderstandings, unfairness, and the perpetuation of falsehoods. Church, listen to me. Don't believe everything that you hear. Not until you've heard both sides of the story. And be sure that you don't allow your own personal bias to cause you to compromise what is truth. Because it's easy for us to believe something if it fits within our agenda and what we want to be true. You with me? Like it's easy for us to, to believe uh, something if it's something that goes in line with what we feel is right. And this is what we see is happening here with Paul. The Jews from Asia, they didn't like Paul. And so they made an assumption, which led to a false accusation, and then it stirred up the whole city. Now, I mention all this because I've witnessed a lot of Christians do this very thing. I'm talking about spreading information that's not concrete, and they don't even know for certain that it's accurate. Listen, if you don't know with absolute certainty that something is true or not, don't repeat it. I remember my mom used to say to me, telling a half-truth is telling a whole lie. I mean, I believe that's good motherly advice right there. I recently had someone come up to me, um, and they said, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but, hey, you better watch out for those buts, right? They'll get you in trouble <laughs> more in one way, but... Despite acknowledging their uncertainty, they went right ahead, even though they didn't wasn't sure if it was true or not, they went right ahead and they proceeded to share it without hesitation. You know, just uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever Pastor Jerry was here, I got to spend a good amount of time with him, and he shared something with me that I didn't know. I, I want to teach it to you. It's, it's really um, cool uh, and at the same time convicting. Um, there's a phrase in the Hebrew known as Lashon Hara. I'd, I'd heard it before. But it's based on Leviticus 19.15, if you're taking notes. But um, Lashon Hara says that the person who listens to something that isn't true is just as guilty as the person saying it. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, what if I don't know if it's true or not? Or if someone says, I'm not sure if it's true or not, like in the example that I just gave. Well, in that instance, that's called Avach Lashon Hara. And again, it's treated the exact same way. And here's an example of what that's to look like. Jerry had shared this with me when he was uh, giving me a little bit of a, a lesson on what this meant. But he said that someone came up to Rebecca recently and said this thing to her. Said, hey, um, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but I heard. And Jerry said that she immediately stopped the person and said, wait a minute, what did you just say? You said that you're not sure if this is true or not. And the person says, right, I I'm not sure if it's true or not. And so she, in love, told them, then I don't want to hear it. 
Now, that'll take a little bit of a chutzpah right there. But you know the reason that she didn't want to? It's because she didn't want to be guilty of avak, Levon, I'm sorry, uh, Lashon Hara. And, and so and I'll think about it like this because it makes sense. You're not just going to allow someone to come along and just pour anything in your mouth, right? Then why do we just allow people to come and just pour any old thing into our ears? Just saying. I think this is a good teaching point considering the political climate that we live in today. Hello? And considering how many times we've seen people get plastered all over the news for something that we found out later on wasn't even true to begin with. Let me share one more thing about this, and then we'll move on. There was a youth pastor that I know about several years ago who had a teenage girl in his youth group make an accusation against him of a sexual nature. Well, the youth pastor denied it, um, I mean adamantly denied it, said that it never happened. But watch this, just the accusation caused him to lose his job. The church fired him. And, of course, the accusation then led to a trial where he could have spent years in prison. And I don't know if you've ever been in a trial or not. Thank God I never have, but I've heard, and I have friends that are attorneys, and they're grueling. I mean, like, they're long, they're strenuous, and that stress that this young youth pastor faced as a result of having to go through this trial um, put so much pressure on his marriage that it didn't last, and his wife left him. But watch this. Toward the end of the trial, that young teenage girl finally came forward and said that she made it all up. And he was acquitted, but the damage had already been done. Now, I'll tell you that story just to say, we're supposed to hold the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. This is a fundamental principle that is consistent with our country's constitution and with the Bible. Now, I know I'm spending a little bit extra time on this point, but it's one that needs to absolutely be taught within the church because I don't think that we're doing a great job at this. And by we, I'm not talking about Destiny Church, okay? I'm talking about the, the, the global church. I'm talking about the, the, the one church. Church, we must guard not only what we speak, but we even need to guard what we hear. Watch this. If I guard what I hear, by nature, it's going to prevent some of the things that I say. Are, are you hearing me? If it's not true, we're to reject it. Let's keep reading in our story. Acts 21, verse 30, go maybe about six verses. It says, they seized Paul and they dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came from the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he actually was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. Now let's just talk about what we just read right here. The accusation of these Asian Jews caused the crowd to become violent and to beat Paul. And by the way, they weren't just beating him. 
to teach him a lesson, okay? But the Bible says that they wanted to kill him. So what you have here is a lynch mob. And thankfully, the tribune of the cohort, which we read about, which, by the way, the tribune of the cohort, that's just a subdivision of the Roman legion. This was a group of centurions who held authority and leadership and would be responsible for maintaining a discipline and keeping order. And so when they showed up, the Bible says that they stopped beating Paul. And notice in the text where it says that the centurions, they tried to find out who Paul was and what he would done, had done. And the Bible says some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. Now, this phrase right here, I believe, is very reflective of the discord and the division that we often see in our world today. I'm talking about the multitude of voices that are constantly expressing their opinions, ideologies, and perspectives, but they do so with a favored bias and agenda. But as for us, as followers of Christ, we have got to be sure that we are anchored in the unchanging truth of God's word, the Bible. Without a firm foundation in his word, we risk being swept away by the ever-changing tides of this world. Now let's look at verse 37. It says, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he says, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who then recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicily, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And we had given him permission. Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, now, before we get into what Paul says, as a matter of fact, I'll let you read it later. It's, it's a pretty lengthy uh, portion of Scripture. But I want us to, to look at something right here. It says the Bible says that the centurions, the, the tribune of the cohort, they thought that Paul was this guy, this, this Egyptian, who had stirred up a revolt and brought in 4,000 assassins from out of the wilderness. But really what was taking place right here was this was simply a case of mistaken identity. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had someone mistake your identity? I'm not talking about like you looking like someone, right? They'd be in your doppelganger, but rather misunderstood who you really are. Like they jumped to conclusions and made judgments based on limited information. Guys, it's in those moments that we get the opportunity to respond with grace and clarity, just like Paul. You see, Paul could have easily been angered or discouraged by this misunderstanding, but instead he used it as an opportunity to reflect God's love and truth. And I want us to look at one other thing that I think that's significant. The Bible says that Paul motioned his hand to the people, and then there was a great hush. I like that. There's a great hush. See, this verse teaches us something about the importance of timing. Now, catch this, especially if you were here last week, because last week we talked about how that there are moments that we need to remain silent, okay? But there are other times that we're to speak. Here's the other side of the coin. And when we speak, 
we speak with boldness and humility. How many of you know that those two are not mutually exclusive from one another? You can be bold while at the same time be humble. As a matter of fact, Jesus modeled this very thing. Because while Jesus was very humble, he was also very bold. Remember what Jesus taught in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5 when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think it's important that we get a, maybe a little bit of better insight and understanding as to what that word means. You guys have heard me say this before, that meekness isn't weakness. But meekness is strength under control. And really, to even get a little bit of a better understanding of what this word means, you've got to kind of go back to whenever they first used this word and, and what that meant. I actually just learned this recently watching a teaching from uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson on this very thing. You see, meekness means this. This is so good. It means those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed will inherit the earth. Come on, isn't that good? Every guy in this room should say amen to that. Isn't that good? I'm going to say that again. Those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed will inherit the earth. I mean, this is similar to the definition that I gave you earlier, that meekness is strength under control. But this kind of paints us a little bit better picture, right? So what's that mean? That means that we should be bold. That means that we should be strong. That means that we should be dangerous to our enemy and adversary, the devil. Paul knew exactly what he wanted to say whenever that great hush, called a holy hush, when the great hush landed upon the crowd. And friends, I can promise you that there are moments in your life when it is time to speak. Again, I feel like this is a balance to what I taught you last week. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. As a matter of fact, Solomon gives credence to that very thing in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 7, when he says there's a time to keep silent, and there's a time to speak. But what we have got to do as spirit-filled believers is we have got to discern between the two. And this is one of the reasons that I love reading about the life of Paul in this section of Acts, because Paul does both at their appropriate times. He knows when he shouldn't say something, and he knows when he should. And friends, if you will tune in to the Spirit of God, he will tell you lovingly, keep your mouth closed, Chris. I hear that often. But there are also times, watch this now, here's the other side of it, that we need to speak. And sometimes it means that we have to step outside of our comfort zone to speak those things. Are you with me? Now, how does this apply to your life and your, your practically, rather, in your everyday life? Well, I think in almost every single way because there are some times that you should say something in your marriage, but there are other times that you should be silent. There are times that you should say something to your children. I'm getting convicted. And there are times when you should say nothing. Help me with that one, Lord. Um, there are times when you should say something in your job. But then there are times when you should be silent. 
look, this, I mean, the list could go on and on. Hey, how about this? For that matter, there are times that you should say something in your prayer life and in worship, but then there are other times that you should be silent, right? Like, for example, in Psalm 46.10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still implies not only stillness but quietness. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2 says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Watch what it calls the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Oh, man, I got one mm out of that. Amen or oh me, huh? Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. But then there are times where we're supposed to speak. As a matter of fact, and again, here's the balance of when we have got to discern and know when we shouldn't speak and when we should speak. Because Psalm 34.1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually or will always be on my lips. Or in Ephesians, it says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul knew that this right here was a time to speak. Last week, he didn't speak. Now, it was a time to speak. And again, I'm not going to go over the speech. You can, you can read that later on. But there are two elements that are clear in what he says. He gives his testimony and he preaches the gospel. And friends, if there is ever a time that we should be bold and speak, it's in doing these two things. But remember that even whenever you do speak those things, you even need to do that with humility as well because no one is going to receive what you have to say if it comes from a haughty spirit. Now let me share with you one more thing in regards to what Paul said. When you read his speech, you'll see that there are three main things that he emphasizes. The first is he talks about his life before Christ. Then he talks about his conversion experience or how he got saved. And then third, he talks about his life after Christ. And I love this because I believe that what Paul is doing right here is he's setting an example for us so that we would do the same in our everyday lives. And if you've never done this, I just want to encourage you to both reflect and consider each of those areas in your life. Like think through how to best communicate your life before Christ. Talk about and recognize those areas where you were lost and broken and in need of his grace. Because this time of reflection, it helps us not only appreciate the work that God has done in our lives, but it helps us in giving our testimony to others. Because I promise you, there's going to be other people around you that's going to be broken and hurting and needing in gra uh, grace just like you. And you know, I learned something from Bill Johnson. The, the root word, Hebrew, for testimony it means to do again. And really that fits right in with what Revelation says whenever it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now think about that. 
The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So whenever I'm giving credence and testimony and witness to the things that the Lord has done in and through my life, it creates faith within the atmosphere that other people can grab a hold of to believe. If God did it for them, maybe he'll do it for me. Paul shows us how to do this in our life, how to recognize those areas, those areas where we're broken, where we're needing grace. And secondly, then we celebrate that moment that we come to Christ. Church, may we never grow weary in doing that. May we never get so complacent with our salvation that whenever we get the opportunity to praise God for it, that we just sit back and, oh, yeah, praise God. I've been saved for 30 years. Well, you better praise God. Like if you're so tired that you don't want to praise God anymore, maybe hell might be the other option for you. Because you know what we're going to be doing in heaven throughout all eternity? Praising his name. You know what's happening right now as I speak? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens and the earth are filled with his glories. Angels are falling face down right now before God. Because he is worthy. He's worthy. So we celebrate that moment that we came to Christ. We recall the joy, the peace, and the hope that first entered our heart whenever we experienced his forgiveness and his salvation. And friends, hear me on this. The world needs to hear your testimony. Can I tell you something that I found by experience? When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I started sharing my testimony with anyone who would listen and some who didn't even want to listen. (laughs) But I shared it anyway. And you know what? I found that when I share my testimony, not only did it stir their faith. Watch this. It stirs your faith. When I start talking about the good things and I recall the good things. So listen, even if you really don't care that the world is is dying and going to hell in the handbasket, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all will pick up on my sarcasm, right? I know you do. But also consider what it does for you as well. Because I promise you, every time you share your testimony with someone, not only is it going to make a difference in their life, it will do a difference in your life as well. That's the reason you always hear people uh, say who goes to a mission trip, man, gosh, it changed me more than it changed those that I went to the mission on. Well, guess what? We need to live life that way on mission. Hello? And if we will live life that way, then we're going to watch a greater work happen in our lives and in our hearts. Amen? The world needs to hear your testimony. You know what? You have this powerful thing, church, called hope on the inside of you, which the world is in desperate need of. And please don't make the mistake of believing that everyone around you has heard about Jesus and that they don't need to hear what you have to say. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I I promise you that. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Not only do we have any problem with people agreeing upon the first part, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Everyone says, praise God, amen. But it also says, and by the word of our testimony. You know, I was doing a word study on the word overcome, and I found a, a definition that grabbed my attention. This is so good. It said, to maintain one's cause. Well, that sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? Christ, community cause. Yeah. When we overcome, we maintain our cause. And church, what is your cause? Well, I'll tell you what it should be. Our cause is Christ. 
watch this. I know that sharing your faith can be risky, but I can promise you that you're never truly at risk when God holds you in his hand. Hey, he has given us his precious Holy Spirit. And he's given us that spirit for a purpose. Do y'all remember the purpose? We talked about it back in September at the beginning of this series in Acts 1.8. It says, but you shall receive power. Come on, it's Pentecost Sunday, somebody. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my what? Witnesses. Both Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So let me ask you a question, spirit-filled believer. Do you have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you? You do. Do you have his power? Well, if you have his spirit, you have his power. Just in case you don't know. So in case you're thinking that you're weak and beat up and I can't do anything and I can't overcome. No, if you've got the spirit of God in you, sorry, he's not weak. He's powerful. And you will receive power. That's dunamis in the Greek. That means miracle working power. That means what you can never do in your own ability or strength or intellect. Right? To be what? Witnesses. Now, you said, yeah, amen, we got the spirit, we got the power. Now, are you being witnesses? You see, this is the part where there's a participation that takes place between us and the spirit of God. Because God's not going to come and just open your mouth and make that come out. You can't just come out and, you know, like, oh, you know, Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. And no, it takes that, that will, that free will that God has given us to make sure that we are sharing Christ with the world. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The purpose for which God has empowered us is to be witnesses, church. Paul understood this. Timothy understood this. Peter understood this. But not only did they understand it, but they practiced it. They applied it. They stepped outside of their comfort zones and even when they knew that they were going to be walking into guaranteed persecution, they, that still did not stop them. But I just have to ask, what is keeping you from sharing Jesus with the world around you? I'm not saying that you've got to go stand on a corner with a, a bullhorn, but I feel like we've been pretty good at being silent in our faith. So much so that many Christians' co-workers or neighbors wouldn't even have a clue that they are one. But they've never talked to them about Jesus Christ. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time with people and I've found that people think that, well, people's already heard about Jesus and they've already made that conscientious objection to Christ and you know, and, and if they want God, they'll come to know God. Do you know that it takes, on average, someone sharing Christ with someone seven times before they give their life to Christ? Do you know that? What if you were the seventh one? Huh, don't stop on six, right? Hey, what if you were the seventh one? Friends, there is a time to speak. I hope you grab hold of this this week. There is a time to speak. Don't grab a hold of this and say, oh, that's right. Bless God. I got something I want to say to my husband when I get. It's time to speak. You you missed the context of this message. (laughs) I'm talking about sharing in the goodness of God and the love of God and the faithfulness of God. 
And if you feel like there ain't no good in your life, then open up your Bible and, and celebrate the good that's in it and who he is. Amen. Quit focusing on the wrong that's in, happening in your life and focus on the right that's with God. Paul shared with the people about his life before Christ. He talked about his salvation experience. And thirdly, he talked about his life after Christ. And guys, this is where we can share with others about how God has shaped our thoughts, how he's changed our actions, and which to this day is still transforming us more and more into the image of Christ, to where we love in a manner that we've never loved before, to where we now seek to serve rather than being served, and to where we now live our life with a purpose. I said this earlier, but I want to say it one more time. The world is waiting for the good news that we carry within us. May we not be those who take our light and go and hide it. May we be those who, as beacons of hope, shine forth in speaking of the goodness of God. You say, but pastor, I let my light shine by how I live. That's great. Keep doing that, but don't just stop there. Let your actions and your words bring glory to his name. Paul gives us a great example on the importance of sharing our, our testimony. I love that, by the way, that Paul practiced what he preached because in Romans 10, 14, which would have probably been written right about Acts chapter 20, which we talked about last week when Paul was in Corinth, Paul says this. He says, and I think that he's thinking about this as he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. Imagine that. Have you ever thought about the scripture like that? Man, when I started diving in, I thought, wow, Paul wrote right here in Romans 10, right about the same time as Acts 20, which was right as he knew he was getting ready to go into Jerusalem. So he was thinking about these things. And this is what he penned. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Church, let these words resonate deep within your souls. It's not enough for us to simply receive God's grace. We are called to be vessels of his hope in a world that is desperate for it. Listen, within each and every one of you, there resides a power that is greater than anything that you could ever possibly imagine. I mean, the force, the very force that spoke the universe into existence, come on, that dwells in your innermost being. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God who is alive on the inside of you and active, empowering you to do the unimaginable. Remember that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same exact, not watered down, same exact spirit that dwells within you. Nothing is too difficult for our God. If you see somebody do something great for God, it's not because they're great. It's because the God within them is great, and they just simply believed it. Nothing is too difficult for him. 
Nothing is impossible for God. I know we all agree with that, but watch this. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. I'm trying to stir your faith this morning, church, to know that it ain't about you. The thing that God wants to do through you, you've just got to lock into the faith in the Son of God to know that nothing is too difficult for our God. And we've got to hold on to that. Now, I want you to know that whatever you have need of this morning, I shared this again earlier, but I want to say it again. God has an abundant supply. Even in context of what we're talking about this message this morning, if you need courage in your life, He's got it. In him, we have peace. In him, we receive healing. In him, we walk in victory. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Come on, somebody, do you believe it? Do you believe it? In him, we live, we move, we have our being. And guess what? The sufferings of this present time, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed into us. But we have got to hold on to faith. We've got to make sure we don't throw in the towel. And we have got to trust and believe God. And then when God gives us that great hush, that holy hush, when he gives us that opportunity with your coworker and with your family member or with your kid, then you speak. And when you speak, the Bible says this, not Pastor Chris. It says, speak as the very words of God. When I pray and I come to church on Sunday morning, I have a prayer. There's several things that I pray every Sunday. I pray against any principalities and rulers of darkness that would try to come against this church because guess what? I can speak to those things because the Bible teaches me that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I'm going to use my tongue. Amen? And I'm going to speak those things. And I'm going to pray over those things. And so whatever it is that you have need of in your life, speak those things. And here's something I'm going to do. Man, I could teach you this for another hour, but catch this. And we'll, I know we're doing, not doing well in time, but watch this. Speak those things as if they're going to happen. Call those things not as though they were in your life. Your marriage isn't what you want it to be. Start calling it good in Jesus' name. The, the finances aren't there in your life. Start calling the finances in. Friends, this works. You look into someone who's practiced this stuff, and I'm telling you, I give testimony to it, that it works. Speak that you ain't going to have cancer in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's for somebody. I know what it is like to have a doctor look at you, a neurologist to say, that's probably cancer. I know what it's like to have someone look at my wife and say, yeah, that's cancer. But God. I said, but God. We've got to believe his word. Friends, we're either going to believe it or we're not. And I believe that his word is true. I believe that he is who he says that he is. I believe he's a great physician. I believe that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ever ask or think. My cerebral cortex can't even become close to be able to give commentary to the goodness and the greatness of God. But you know what? I'll use my mouth to speak it. And I'll say, God, you are good. Come on, right now. Can we just stand to your feet real quick? Come on, God, you are good. God, you are good. Oh, Lord, you're so good. And your faithfulness, Lord, it endures forever. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And we bless your holy name. And we thank you, God, for this day, Lord. Thank you, Lord, on this day of Pentecost, oh, God. That, Lord, you are lighting a fire in our hearts, Lord. Now, God, may we take that torch. May we take that flame, Lord. And may we go and may we set a fire 
Lord, in our neighborhoods and in our communities and in the marketplace and in our jobs with our children, God. May we sit down, Lord. May we talk about the things that we have looked at from your word. We thank you, Lord, that as a result, God, the work that you have began in each of our life, you will be faithful to complete it. Listen, we're going to bring today's service to, to a close. I went a little long today, but I just want to ask this question because I do believe right now that there are some, not, not only online, there's some, I believe, that's watching right now online, but I believe there are also those here in this room. You have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You have not called upon Jesus as Lord. Look at me for a minute, just for a minute. I've got about three minutes and we're done. Hear me on this. If you have not looked to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, friend, I got to tell you, there is nothing in this world that will satisfy you. Not fame, not fortune. I promise you, anything that the world tries to present and offer you and to try to get you to believe is better than what God has to offer, it is a counterfeit at best. You know what a counterfeit does? A counterfeit might get you by a few times. But then one day, boom, and that's what sin does. You think, man, I sinned and I haven't, I gotten away with it. Friends, surely your sin will find you out. And when it finds you out, can I tell you, the wages of sin is death. And here's what you need to know. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in case you're thinking, well, I'm not a sinner. Yeah, each and every one of us was born a sinner in need of a Savior. And the only way that we get sin removed from our life, forgiven from our life, because we all owe the debt of sin, which means that we do not get to go into heaven. Good works do not get people into heaven. Are you hearing me? Your mom and your dad can't get you into heaven. Your president can't get you into heaven. Are, are you with me? It ain't about what you know. It's about who you know, Jesus. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give that call right now for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can receive the promise of forgiveness of sin and the promise of citizenship in heaven. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray with me right now. We're gonna confess our need together as Lord and Savior. And I'm gonna ask the saints of God to, to join in with us as we pray this prayer. Pray this prayer of surrender out loud with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. And this is one of those moments when I say that we want to speak and thank God for our salvation. Can we praise God right now? Hallelujah! Hey! Yes! In the Lord good. Come on, I said in the Lord good. Let me bless you, all right? May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and may he give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to me. 
If you prayed that prayer here today, as you're leaving, you're going to see a banner that says, I have decided. Stop there for 30 seconds. They got something important they want to put in your hand. If you're watching this later on, online, or even live, go to destinychurchjacksonville.com forward slash Jesus. There are some very important next steps that you need to know. Amen. And let's go forth this weekend and shine the bright light of Jesus and pray that we get those holy hush moments for us to share Christ. Amen. Love you, church. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week in Jesus' name.